In the Episcopal Church, when you feel a prompting within yourself to become either a priest or a deacon, the next step, if the bishop agrees, is to begin what's called a discernment committee. Usually six to eight people meet monthly for at least six months with the person who feels called to be ordained. The topics to be discussed are things like, what do you feel called to do that you can't do now? Is it feasible for you to enter seminary at this point in your life? What is your leadership style? How are you when it comes to submitting to authority? I remember when we got to that particular question about authority in my own discernment process. At the end of that meeting, a wonderful and wise woman from my home parish, someone who knows me extremely well, leaned over and said, Terry, you need to become less of a rule follower. Now this is an unusual thing for someone on a discernment committee to say. After all, once you're ordained, you're under the authority of the larger church and your bishop. There are rubrics in the prayer book that need to be followed. Constitutions and canons that have to be upheld. Parish meetings that have to happen. Tons of other rules to think about so many times throughout the day. It's a slippery slope. If you disregard one rule, who knows what kind of chaos might ultimately ensue. But maybe she was right. I spent my whole life following rules, and I was pretty good at it. I had always turned in classwork on time, no matter what. I studied the requirements to get into medical school, and I followed every single one. And then the requirements to graduate from medical school and be placed in a residency, and I followed every single one of those, too. I had all sorts of licenses I had to keep up with, rules for prescribing medications, rules for hospital privileges. For the first few years our children were in school, I spent hours the first night of each school year reading the entire school handbook so that when I signed the form saying that I had read it, I was being totally truthful. Only recently have I learned that not all parents do that. I am a rule follower. Maybe I would be the leader of the synagogue in today's gospel reading. Luke tells us that when Jesus healed the woman who had been bent over for 18 years, the leader of the synagogue became indignant and reminded the crowd that there were six days every week when work could be done. She could be cured then, not on the Sabbath. Jesus replied, you hypocrites, you untie your donkey and take it to get water. Shouldn't this woman be freed from her bondage on the Sabbath as well? Now, the leader of the synagogue is not really the villain here. After all, Sabbath rules were given as part of the law to remind the people of Israel that they were no longer slaves in Egypt, and no one could work them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sabbath laws signaled freedom. They were good news. And now the leader is worried about someone coming right into the middle of the synagogue and healing on the Sabbath. He's got a right to be worried. If you start making exceptions to a rule, where is that going to end? We all know laws that no one follows anymore, right? 
But the irony here is that in arguing against Jesus' healing of the woman who is bent over, the leader of the synagogue is using a law that is supposed to be a source of liberation and freedom to actually deny someone freedom from bondage of a different sort, that of a debilitating illness which has held her captive for 18 years. A law meant to maintain a certain freedom is being used to prevent the very thing it is meant to protect. Perhaps the leader of the synagogue had forgotten what the Sabbath laws were about. In the process, doing a good thing became an obstacle to doing a better one. Keeping a strict Sabbath became an impediment to expressing the very mercy and love on which the Sabbath was founded. Jesus was not throwing out the Jewish practice of Sabbath at all in this passage, but invoking an even deeper celebration of it. I think that there are times in our lives, too, when following a rule, written or unwritten, explicit or implicit, recognized or unrecognized, can actually keep us from living into the spirit of it. Times when merely aiming at the expectations that are set by a rule, that can keep us from greater expressions of the good for which the rule was intended in the first place. And I'll use an example from my husband, who is a university professor. A class syllabus may specify that a student must attend 70% of classes in order to pass the course. The purpose of the rule is to ensure that the student reaps the benefit of class lectures and class discussions. Of course, the greatest good would be for the student to attend all the classes and to take full advantage of the benefits offered. But some students, seeing that 70% attendance is what is needed to pass the course, some students set their attendance goal at that level and think, okay, that means I can sleep in four or five mornings during the semester. As long as I meet that goal, everything is good. Now, what I don't mean to do here is to contribute to the cult of perfection that pervades our society. Mercy is a necessary part of life. It is a necessary part of the church, and it is an intrinsic part of the gospel. But I do think that there are times when we end up hiding behind rules instead of reaching beyond them. Times when we make an idol out of even unspoken expectations. Times when following a norm is actually a form of complacency. Times when we impose our rules on others out of our own sense of fear. So maybe this week would be a good time to examine some of the rules in our lives. Those self-imposed and those external to us. Written and unwritten. Spoken and left unsaid religious and secular, what good is each one of those meant to convey or protect? Are we merely meeting expectations when we could be reaching for a greater expression of that good? Are we hiding behind the letter of the law instead of living into the spirit of it? Are we doing a good instead of doing the gospel? When and where do we play the role of the indignant leader in today's society?